Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2544. All right, we are halfway through season one of The Bad Batch, and it's time for a mid-season review with eight observations about these first eight episodes. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, we are halfway through season one of The Bad Batch and as far as we know it's still just one season. I mean, come on, it's going to be more, right? <laughs> it's got to be more, but for now it's just one season and we're halfway through it and so eight observations for you as we sit here at the halfway point. First of all, they really continue to play this as an in-media res situation, like jumping you right into the middle of the action, which is, of course, the Star Wars storytelling hallmark, whether it's the episode where, you know, they stole that random lizard from folks and you catch them as they are escaping. Basically, that's where the episode drops you in. Or even just, you know, the whole dealing with Order 66 and dealing with the introduction of the Bad Batch characters themselves, really not a lot of time has been spent on the exposition, on trying to bring you up to speed on who these characters are and the milieu, if you will, in which they find themselves. And I think that's kind of fascinating because on the one hand, maybe it assumes that anyone who's watching the Bad Batch already has to have been invested in Clone Wars and so they're just you know, gonna say alright you know you know all this stuff so we're just gonna go right we're just gonna go don't worry about it but I do get the sensation having watched and rewatched the episodes that even if you were not familiar with the Clone Wars and you came into this you would still be able to catch up with what's going on it's one of those situations where you know like we talked about yesterday with the High Republic thing and if you're able to just read a few of the stories then you'll get you know the major narrative of things but if you're able to read everything then you'll get little pings of additional like ooh that's cool and ooh I knew that was connected to that you know and that sort of thing and so you know, I feel like that's the way they've set up the Bad Batch where you can watch it and enjoy it straight for what it is and they've constructed it so you can do that but they've also woven things in where you can kind of go ooh and zing <laughs> when other things from other places come up. And so that leads to my second observation, which is that this first half of the season has been filled with guest stars galore from other storytelling situations. I mean, so this, I think, is a complete list, but the Laquane family, Captain Rex, Cad Bane, Trace and Rafa Martez, Saw Gerrera, Fennec Shand, Governor Tarkin, Lama Sue and Nala Say, Depa Balaba, Caleb Doom, Bib Fortuna, and a name check of Jabba the Hutt. And I guess you could, you know, say <laughs> Emperor Palpatine as well from the beginning of the story. But yeah, this has been 
filled with characters from other Star Wars storytelling and heavily, of course, from the Clone Wars. And so I imagine that we're probably going to see more of these guest appearances. And there's one thing actually I'm going to talk about later that certainly suggests that for a future episode. Talking about our current episodes, my third observation would have to be that when we have been talking, you and I, about the Bad Batch and about how the episodes seem to be more serialized rather than the sort of four episode story arc that the Clone Wars became known for over time and certainly season seven of it laid out in that particular fashion and a good chunk of season six did as well. But, uh, you know, we can go back further than that to season five, etc, etc. Anyway, it turns out that there is kind of a loose four-episode organization to these first eight episodes, and now that we actually have two different sets of four, you can kind of see how that you know unfolds. And the first story arc would be basically the Bad Batch dealing with the immediate after-effects of Order 66 and getting themselves to something resembling safety. And then the second story arc is them entering the path of mercenary behavior, right? So they hook up with Sid in episode five, for example, and everything that they're doing for five, six, seven, and eight has to do with being able to be effective mercenaries for Sid and you know get themselves paid and be able to take care of themselves. And so the kidnapping of Omega at the end of episode eight suggests that we are about to enter a new story arc, which would basically be the search for Omega, right? Like that's what will probably take up, you know, the next few episodes basically. And then that leaves our final four episodes of the season. And I'll go out on a limb and say that that'll have something to do with whatever the Kaminoan contingency plan is, whatever the conspiracy plan is. They've already told us that in interviews separately that we're going to understand what the big deal is with Omega by the end of this season. And so it seems like, you know, if she is the key to whatever contingency plan the Kaminoans have, then we're probably going to find out what that deal is and the Kaminoans will be putting whatever this plan is into action by the end of the season. For another, the fourth observation, one thing that has sort of receded into the background is the geopolitical aspects of the storytelling, right? So in the first story arc, or if you will, there were numerous mentions of various planets' currency being eliminated and the Empire saying, hey, you know, turn in your old currency and we will replace it for you for free with Imperial credits. And so you start to see how the Empire is building its economy and its whole manner of working with citizens of different planets and the whole thing about the clones and not renewing the contract with Camino and deciding to go with conscripted soldiers and, oh, well, let's see if we can work out you know, how squads will work if they're paired with a clone commander with new elite recruits and whatnot. So the notion of the transition from Republic to Empire has kind of faded into the background, even as the move from a Republic to a Rebellion has kind of turned up the volume to some degree, right? So there was a bit of it with Sagarera in the very beginning, and then it was kind of left behind a little bit, and then it was turned up with Trace and Rafa Martez, and then with the appearance of Captain Rex. 
So that's the broader scale stuff, if you will, the macro stuff. On the micro level, it's been really interesting to see the interactions unfold and develop between Omega and the rest of the Bad Batch crew, but in particular with Hunter and Wrecker. I would say that she hasn't had much of a relationship established with either Echo or Tech, although certainly, you know, Tech asked her for a little bit of help in one of the recent episodes, so that seems like, you know, motion in a direction, but Hunter is really taking on a fatherly role with Omega, or at least, you know, that's sort of the thing that's been awakened within him as he needs to protect her, whereas Wrecker is more of a, you know, I would have said a big brother, but you know, it's almost like equals in some sense because he is just as playful as she is. And there are just, you know, some very silly little moments with them, like their you know, tradition of going to get Mantel mix after missions and, um, uh, you know, the doll Lula that Wrecker loves and, um, you know, Omega making sure that she rescues it when they're escaping from Kamino. You know, there are just some really, you know, beautiful interactions that are happening between Hunter and Omega and Wrecker and Omega in particular. And I hope that eventually it will extend to Echo and Tech also. And even just, you know, the way that Omega is trying to empathize with Crosshair and get through to him, you know, that's still, you know, also very well done. For a sixth bit of observation, the animation game in The Bad Batch has been stepped up as well. I would say that probably, you know, the height of Clone Wars animation was the Siege of Mandalore with the, the fight between Ahsoka and Maul. Like, that was just incredible. Incredible. That was probably the height of Clone Wars animation for sure. And the Bad Batch is, I mean, you know, they spent a little bit extra for that Clone Wars thing, I think. But the Bad Batch has not shirked on their animation. I mean, they have had incredible action sequences, you know, very well thought out and, you know, very chaotic in places too with the you know, decommissioned episode inside the factory in Coronet City on Corellia with everything crashing around and with the, you know, chaos that ensued when Crosshair showed up with all of those troopers in reunion and having to, you know, like, have a Jedi cruiser's engine light up and blowing up cones of engines. And yeah, it's been really amazing to see how much they have packed into these episodes and how epic the action sequences have been. Or even in Cornered when there's that sort of Attack of the Clones kind of speeder chase between Hunter and Fennec Shand as they're trying to get possession of Omega. Like, they've really outdone themselves with their you know, thinking and their execution on these action sequences. And my seventh observation is just a burning question that I have. And if you have the answer to this, I'd love to hear it. How did the Zygarians get a hold of Moochie? How do they get him away from Jabba the Hutt in the first place? Like, why do they have him? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That I think is a bit of story that, you know, there you go. We're dropped into the middle of a story and we don't know how all of that happened. But for all the backstory things that may have happened <laughs> with Bad Batch stuff, you know, that's the one I think that I'm most curious about. How did those Zygarians get Moochie away from Jabba the Hutt? So, yeah. Let me know if you know the answer to that one. And the last observation is the fact that episode titles have been given for much of the rest of the season, which is a very exciting thing. And so that was what I was referring to about possibly seeing 
a yet other characters that are familiar in future episodes. So there's going to be an episode called Rescue on Ryloth, which of course makes me think of Cham Syndulla, and he of course is the father of Hera Syndulla from Rebels and the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, and also in Star Wars Squadron's storytelling too. But <laughs> the real thing to talk about is episode titles. Episode 9, as far as I know, doesn't have a title announced yet. Episode 10 is called Common Ground. Episode 11 is apparently called Devil's Deal. Episode 12 is Rescue on Ryloth. And so that kind of hints that maybe this is where, you know, an Omega rescue situation happens and the end of a third story arc. That's another reason why I was thinking of that. And then we're going to have Infested for episode 13. And War Mantle is the title of episode 14. And that should raise a little bing, bing, bing in your brain from Rogue One because that was one of the projects that uh, Jyn Erso and Cassie Nandor were going through to try and find Stardust when they were at the facility on Scarif. War Mantle is apparently this idea of linking clone commanders with elite recruits to create new squadrons that may or may not be more incredibly effective than anything that they've put out in the field before. We'll see, but War Mantle may be, you know, the episode where we see this implemented across a much larger scale. And as for 15 and 16, no titles yet, but, you know, they're coming. Oh, and since I mentioned this on Saturday with the Bad Batch briefing on um, Reunion, it does seem like, just based on the episode schedule situation, that they are sticking with Fridays. They're not switching to Wednesdays or anything like that. So Fridays for Bad Batch episodes all the way through at least episode 14, probably through the end of the season as well. So that's what I've got for you for eight observations related to the first eight episodes and, you know, maybe seven plus one, right? <laughs> I mean, naming the next episode titles, that's probably not really into the eight episodes. That's okay. Anyway, that's what I got for you for this episode of the show. And it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.